0: are going to look at a passage tonight and it's in Matthew 11. And as you open up your Bibles to Matthew 11, uh, I wanted to ask you for uh, by the way, a couple of different times for audience response. So I want to prep you now because there's going to be this one and another one. So you got to get ready for this. Cause some, some of this is, uh, some of you aren't as uh, likely to share, but you'll be forced to. Um, so we, uh, we, uh, are looking at Matthew 11, and as we do, the question I had to start is, what do you think of when you think of names of God? Like, what are some of the best ones, some of your favorites, names of God? You know, anybody uh, out there uh, a fan of, like, uh, the uh, Yahweh, or uh, El Shaddai, it means Almighty God, right? Or anybody like any other ones? What other ones? Elohim? Okay, great. Yeah, uh-huh. Good one. Anybody for Jehovah? What's that? Elroy. Yes, he sees you. Uh huh. Did I say it right? Yeah, okay, great. You actually were sharing it, but I didn't shut up to let you. Great. What other names? That's great. I didn't expect it, is really what happened. How about uh, Jehovah Jireh? Anyone knows that one? God provides. Whenever he, I'm a little short financially, I just think of that one. Jehovah Jireh. Anybody else? Anybody else? There's a. Uh, there's many, right? Uh, right here in Matthew is one that I particularly think is uh, amazing. It might be the best one huh, about Jesus. We'll, uh, we'll say it's up there, and we'll read about it here together. And so uh, in Matthew 11, uh, we'll start at verse 7. This is the word of the Lord. It says, as they went away, these are the disciples of John the Baptist going away, telling, uh, after Jesus told him to go give John the Baptist a message that he was in, when he was in prison. And the message really was kind of sad. And it was, I am who you think I am, John, but you're not getting out of prison. And so when they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. And he said, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold... Those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. He is of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I say to you, Jesus says, among those born of women, there has arisen no greater, no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But what to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he is a demon. And the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Did you catch it there? What's the name that Jesus Recalls is his reputation among these crowds of people, many of them the religious elite of the day, the Pharisees. What's the name? A little bit louder now. A son of man, yes. I'm not going to tell you that's incorrect, but it's not the one I wanted. Um, how about anybody <laughs> see this phrase that says he's a friend of sinners? A friend of tax collectors and sinners. A friend of sinners. That's what I want to share about tonight with you. And we're going to ask three questions. One is, what does it tell us about Jesus? The second is, what does it tell us about us? And the third is, what does it say about what it might mean to be a follower of him? Because right here, we're told that Jesus is a friend of sinners. He, uh, this actually might be a, uh, the, the only time where someone else in the Gospels actually gave Jesus a name that he didn't first tell us himself. Maybe the only other one you could get close to, if you want to uh, go down that road, I mean, you can argue with me, but uh, no. Yeah, the, the only one I was thinking of is maybe Peter, when Jesus says, and who, how about you, Peter? Who do you say that I am? And he said, you're the Christ, the Son of God. That's an, another one where Peter is actually uh, uh, declaring the title of Jesus. but he really uh, doesn't make it up, he just actually uh, receives it and says, I believe this is what you've been telling me, right? But right here we see this name that seemed to have originated from other people, that Jesus was a friend of sinners. And so reflect with me on just how much that was true about him, right? I mean, uh, in the Gospels we hear about interactions that Jesus had with people who were so often unlikely, right? They existed, as one author said, on the margins, right? They were the people that were overlooked and underloved, and no one would have even known about. But we have this story recorded of Jesus and his interactions with them thousands of years later. So think about all the stories that that would include. Think about Zacchaeus, right? We all know that one. A lot of you at least would uh, be familiar with that where Zacchaeus was in a tree because he was a wee little man. And See, we're kicking it old school, right? All you uh, that had grown up in Sunday school and a wee little man was he and so they uh, had this interaction where Jesus saw him in the tree and said, come down, I want to eat with you and everyone was up in arms. All the religious elite were like, what? You can't meet with this guy. He's a tax collector. He's like the one that we're supposed to hate the most, right? Because first century, Palestine was under the governmental control of the Romans, who frequently imposed harsh taxes on the citizens. That would include all of these Jews, too. They were being oppressed and uh, struggling under their burden, and they were angry at it. These were like a very independent people, these Jewish people. And to add the insults to the injury, the Romans set it up that uh, the Jewish people could become the collectors of the taxes that they imposed. And so it was just like the ultimate betrayal, right? Of these fiercely independent Jewish people, their own people taking their money and giving it to the Roman authorities. And so they hated these tax collectors. Jesus, however, said, I want to go and have dinner with you. I mean, just think about that. Think about how fired up everyone else must have been. (laughs) It was unheard of and it was undone. They wanted to do all kinds of things to Zacchaeus, but not have dinner with him, right? And it's in this passage where we're told that once Jesus did, Zacchaeus repented and said, I'm gonna return the money I took from the people. And Jesus said, when they still complained, (laughs) he said, the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Such a beautiful verse, right? We might remember, but it's in the context of Jesus being a friend of sinners when no one else would. Or how about the time in Luke 7 when a sinful woman anoints Jesus with expensive ointment and and he wipes Jesus' feet with her tears and the hair of her head. And when Jesus is corrected by the religious people around him for letting this woman waste perfume on him, (laughs) Jesus reminds Simon Peter that those who are forgiven love much. And he forgives the woman and her sin. And he says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I mean, picture what it would have been like, friends, to see this. To see Jesus just like ruffle everyone's feathers, right? (laughs) And really get under the skin of these people that had all kinds of rules set up. And Jesus just breaks them all. Because he was a friend of sinners. And then we hear about Jesus, you know, in his teaching, he tells a parable of the lost coin, of the lost sheep, of the lost son. And the whole point of that story, right, is is what Jesus summarizes. He says that all of heaven rejoice when one sinner comes to repentance. Or how about the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8, right, where this woman all we know is that she is drugged before Jesus by these religious Pharisees. And these dudes, uh, I, we don't even know, did the woman commit the adultery? We just know she was accused. And what I could tell you is that this story tells us enough to know that this woman was embarrassed more than she probably ever had been, right? And he, they drag her before Jesus and they try to trap him. And they say, what should we do, Jesus? The law says stone her. And uh, if you know the story, Jesus, Mike drops and says, whoever's without sin, throw the first stone. And everyone starts to walk away. The oldest first, the youngest come after. And Jesus turns to the woman. He says, go and sin no more. He didn't condemn her, right, for all the things. He didn't talk about how she uh, was dirty or how she needed to do whatever, right? He was a friend of sinners. How about Mary Magdalene? We don't know a ton about her, but we know she was one of these key followers of Jesus. But she shows up on the scene in Luke 8 uh, when uh, she has seven demons that are cast out of her. And so she becomes uh, one of the key women that follow Jesus amongst the other disciples as a disciple of Jesus and does, has a complete life turnaround, right? Because Jesus took time to touch her, to notice her, and to befriend her. And so we could go on and on throughout the Gospels because over and over again, like I said, the interactions of Jesus are with people that seem like they shouldn't have a chance to get his airtime, but Jesus does it anyways. And why is that the case? Someone please say it's because he's a friend of sinners, right? Okay, thank you. That's why, right? That's what it tells us about Jesus, guys. He is a friend of sinners. So what does it tell us about us? Well, hopefully a lot, and hopefully it can speak to you. I was talking to a friend today, and I just told him uh, that he was a good man. He helps a ton with this nonprofit I'm involved in where we raise money for this uh, orphanage and partnership in India, and he's always there helping me. He's on my board, and I saw him the other day at the football game, and I looked at him, and I just said, I like that guy, you know, he's a good man. And so I told him today, and his response was, was uh, you know, off the cuff, but it was interesting because he said, oh, well, thank you. He says, I hope that the good outweighs the bad. And so we, uh, I, he, he picked me locked and loaded, right? Like I'm about to preach a couple hours later. So we talked about how, isn't it even better that you don't have to measure the good against the bad? but that the grace of Jesus just covers everything. Because Jesus didn't want to be a friend of just anyone, people that had it mostly put together, mostly figured out, right? A friend of sinners. That's when he befriends us. And so uh, I feel like, man, if we could just really let that soak in, and really believe that. It could change a lot about the way we see ourselves, right? I feel like I could summarize my walk with Jesus as coming uh, up against a couple of lessons that I keep learning over and over again. The first one is that I'm a sinner. And the next one is, I don't have to pretend. And neither do you. Man, there's so many times though when I'm tempted to pretend. Or when I even trick myself into thinking that I'm doing pretty good. And there's so much pressure if it's a conditional friendship, if it's a condition of love. But what we are told by Jesus even is that he says in John 15, he says greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. So let me ask you, when was Jesus a friend of you? Your best day or your worst day? <laughs> he laid down his life, and the prerequisite is we needed it because he laid down his life for sinners. And then Jesus says, You're my friends if you do what I command you. It's so refreshing, and I just want to beg you and me both to not get caught in the trap that happens so often when these lessons are forgotten, that I'm a sinner and I don't have to pretend, because you can see yourself instead as Jesus does, and that's where you can start to really live out the gospel. One guy said that religion is at its best when it makes us ask hard questions of ourselves. It is at its worst when it deludes us into thinking we have all the answers for everyone else. Religion is at its best when it makes us ask hard questions of ourselves. And it is at its worst when it deludes us into thinking we have all the answers for everyone else. Which one are you experiencing in your life right now? Jesus calls you friend. And then lastly, uh, what does this tell us about the kind of follower that we can be? I feel like I even just want to back up and say the word Christian, right? It means that we are like Jesus. And so uh, when we are changed by the Jesus that said, I'll befriend you, and now I want to show you how to live a different life, then we start following him, and the way we do, all that we do should start to look a little bit more like Jesus, right? The old way didn't get us very far, it just got us worse, and Jesus begins to say, I'll be your teacher, and I'll show you how to live. I'll show you how to interact with the world, and I'll show you how I see him, if you'll let me. And so what does this tell us about the kind of follower that we can be a follower of Jesus? A lot, (laughs) is what I'd say. I uh, listened to another guy recently, he had said that he was uh, the younger high school guy. He said he was, uh, I asked him about what this guy was like that I can tell is squirrely, right? Troublemaker on his uh, football team. So I just said, what's he like? And he said, well, he's a guy that, you know, I can play football with, but I wouldn't associate with him outside of football. And I just thought, man, I don't even know if we can say that, if we're going to be a follower of Jesus. He just breaks our categories, right? And continues to be so beautiful we couldn't make Him up. But it's not the way we treat people. But Jesus was a friend of sinners. This last year I was sitting during the Friday night. Uh, What's it called? I'm a little rusty, you know, with this thing. The uh, day before the... uh, Easter, the two days before, the Friday night, <laughs> the uh, Good Friday, I was sitting there in our church service and we were doing a thing. And just like uh, today, there was a cross on the stage and I came in in the back um, and sat down because I'm still always late. And uh, when I did, uh, sitting there, I uh, started to put some things together and my thought inside was like, holy crap! Because right in front of me was a lady who is, in the eight years that I've been in Sisters, came to church alone. And it's because that her husband did the worst things you could imagine. The worst things to his kid. And I had a couple of his other kids in my youth ministry, and I um, got uh, to really connect with one of them and just watch this broken family, and I, I found myself thinking things like, I lived in Salem when there were so many more people. Why is this like the worst example of a broken, just utterly destroyed family that I can ever imagine? And it happened in this tiny town of Sisters. And this guy did unspeakable things to his kid, and his kid ended up having to testify against him according to the uh, direction of the different authorities involved. And the kid decided he'd rather kill himself then do it. And so we've watched this broken family, and broken is an absolute understatement, right? And so I'd never seen the lady with uh, her husband because he's been in a federal prison for a mandatory sentence of 12-plus years. He missed all of his kids that were still alive through middle school and high school and even college. And he was sitting right in front of me And so what would you do? That's what I had to decide really quickly because the service wasn't going to last forever, right? And uh, I was not even sure what I'd do. And the service got over and uh, and his wife turned around and he can't even introduce himself to my kids. But I introduced myself And I said, this is my family. And I shook his hand. And in my mind, I was still just as much thinking, I don't even want to touch this guy. But then I just had this moment, like when I was shaking his hand, where (laughs) his face got like screen pan to his face got blurry, and behind him was the cross. And I just had this moment, right, that... (laughs) Man, it blew up my categories of comfort as a Christian. And I'm still trying to come to grips with that incredible truth that Jesus is a friend of sinners. If you need a friend, he's here to be yours. But the catch is (laughs) that he wants us to befriend others too. And so as we close and pray, if you could just Take an inventory of your own heart tonight. How might God be speaking to you through what his word has taught? What might you want to remember and maybe even do because of what you heard? Maybe there's someone that you have avoided and resisted and maybe this could be a time where you Make a friend. Jesus, help us to be followers of you that actually make you seen as beautiful and not ugly. Let us be doers of the word, not just hearers. Thank you, Jesus, that we have this reminder as we take communion now of what you went through so that you could not just tell us you were a friend, but you proved it with your life.